the imagery that God gives us in the Bible of God as a father. And God does not leave us as his children without instruction. He gave us his word. He, he gave us creation and revelation. He gave us the Ten Commandments. He set, He sent Jesus, right? He, he did not leave us as his children without instruction and guidance. And so just following that example, we would not do the same for our children. Well, that was a little sneak peek of what we're going to hear from Josh and Jen Mulvihill um, on how they lead their family in a Christ-like manner. And welcome to another edition Mm -hmm. of Engaging Generations, where we unapologetically talk about the importance of cultivating intergenerational relationships at home, in the church, and in our communities, because every generation matters, every generation has value, and all contribute to the other in meaningful and purposeful ways. I'm Sarah Greenstreet, co-host of Engaging the Generations, along with Kevin Harper, founder and executive director of ElderQuest Ministries. So Kevin, I think you would agree that the family is strategically important for forming attitudes and perspectives about others that values every generation. Right. And then our next guests in Engaging the Generations are doing an amazing job of shaping their five children in that regard. Boy, that is for sure, Sarah. I agree with you totally. You know, Josh and Jen Mulvihill, There's some dear friends of mine, and I can tell you from firsthand observations that they are making a huge impact upon their children's view of life and how they relate and show respect to people of all ages and backgrounds. So let's jump right in and hear what they have to say. Sounds good. So it's such a great delight for us today on Engaging Generations to have Josh and Jan Mulvihill and uh, gosh, Josh, we've known each other now. How long has it been? Um, eight? Almost 10 years. Yeah. Almost 10 years. And uh, just we've had some exciting journeys along the way. And it's been great to see what God's been doing in your life. So uh, before we get into our conversation, uh, just you and Jen, share a little bit about yourselves so our listeners know who you are. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're so glad to be here. Thanks for having us, Kevin and Sarah. Um, well, we're, we're Josh and Jen Mulvihill. Um, we are, we live in Minnesota, so just west of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis. Um, and we've been married for 22 years. So 22 years, we've been going strong. We met when we were in college, college sweethearts, and the years just seem to fly by. Um, we have five children. Our children range in age from 16. So we have 16, 13, 11, 10, and seven years old. And um, it's a joy. It's a joy to have a large family. It's a blessing that we um, never really anticipated, this this um, wonderful group of kids. But it's an honor and it's a, it's a joy to disciple them. Josh has been in ministry for our entire marriage, our entire adult life. He served as a pastor for nearly 20 years. Um, and now he serves with a ministry called Renew a Nation. Um, and the, the goal of Renew a Nation, their big vision is to train children up with a biblical worldview. And they do that by influencing the influencers of children. Um, so parents and grandparents and pastors and educators. And it's just a really dynamic ministry. Um, I'm a homeschool mom and a former teacher. In fact, I still teach. I teach a, a large homeschool ministry here in the Minneapolis area and um, do that alongside of um, homeschooling those kiddos. <laughs> Yeah, and so Josh, obviously you've been involved in intergenerational ministry outside your house 
for a long time, you know, doing children's ministry, working with parents. Um, but let's talk for a moment a little bit about how you guys develop this vision for what a family should be and your roles and responsibilities as parents that you have wanted to pass on to other parents over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for us, our, you know, our greatest passion as parents is to see our kids um, know, love, and serve Christ their whole life. And um, so we've tried to order our priorities and our passions in our home to accomplish that outcome. And we started that very early. Um, when we start talking about um discipling kids, we have kind of a four-legged approach to discipleship that um, that we try to, that leads to a, a holistic kind of approach to discipleship. So those four, four legs are study, which um, is heavy in scripture, but includes uh, great literature and Uh, And, you know, outside sources, Um, this, you know, this could be education and other. um, uh, So study, uh, worship. And so we're very involved in our church community. We think discipleship is the pathway. Worship is the goal Uh, for our kids. We want them to love Christ and then they, of course, love others. Um, And so that that really, you know, kids will kids know what we're passionate about and they gravitate towards what parents are passionate about. And they, uh, you know, a lot of homes, there are other gods that small G gods that come in and take the place of the big G God. so we want our kids to be, uh, to sense that our hearts as parents are beating for the Lord. They're on fire for the Lord. Um, so that's happening in the home setting worship, as well as the corporate setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so study worship, uh, work is a big is a biggie. A lot of character formation happens through work, and uh, of course, the dominion mandate to uh, have be good stewards of what God's uh, get. You know, what, what our strengths, our gifts, our stewardship component. Um, so we incorporate work into our uh, kids' lives. Some of that we pay them for. Others of them we just expect from daily chore kind of stuff. Um, and then the fourth is service. And so, uh, you know, I, I think everybody needs a game day. Anybody that's played on an athletic team practice is great. But if you don't have a game day, it gets to be old real fast. And as Christians, of course, um, there's a season that learning uh, and growing and maturing in Christ is absolutely critical. And that's you know, that's heavy in the childhood years. Um, but as we move into the, you know, the teen and the adult years, just, you know, young people need to have an area where they are owning their faith, where they're serving. Um, and so we, uh, we make that a regular part of our kids' life. Some of that happens through our church community. Uh, others just are opportunities to serve uh, family members um, and to serve those that we're in community with where we live. Um, and so those four make a really robust, rich approach to discipleship for our kids, study, worship, work, and serve. Um, and, uh, and you know, that especially, you know, I think with boys, if it's all study, I mean, kid, boys want to jump and uh, run and play they and, and they need to move. Um, so just that different, those different elements become really good. And then, stu- you know, young people start to learn a lot about who they are, how God's created them, the world God has made, mm-hmm. who God is and all that. And uh, so it's been real good for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's got to turn the mic on. Sorry about that. So, uh, Jen, what? Let's talk a little bit about those four legs of the yeah. stool. So, you and 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 Josh walk us through kind of what are some of the things that you do in each of those areas that uh, really help set your children on the path uh, that you um, really believe God wants for them. Yeah, definitely. Well, we can just pick one and start. I mean, we could talk about the the study side of things. Um, we want to train our children to know and love the Bible. The Bible is their primary book of study that they would know and love to read it, know how to use it, that it would become a guidebook for their life. Um, so when it comes to study, we read the Bible out loud as a family. Um, we are really intentional to be um, in Bible study with our children. Josh is working with the boys this year and they're learning um Genesis one, and they pull out those concordances and their Bible dictionaries, and they're right in there. Um, the girls and I are working through praying the scriptures this year and just a biblical approach to studying God's word in different facets together um, in, in a number of different ways. But also there's just life study. We I mentioned earlier, we happened to homeschool, but I mean, God did give us minds and bodies and ideas and creativity. And it's important that we honor him with our minds. And so um, just cultivating what our children know, introducing them to the, the best literature and the best books and arts and poetry and the sciences and the things that confirm, but yet also confirm our faith, confirm the Bible, but then also deepen our relationship with the Lord that draws closer to him, that just are reflections of his beauty and, and his, his goodness to us, right? His truth and his beauty and his goodness and all the things around us that go into um, how we learn and how we study and how we train our kids to study. So would you guys have any recommended resources that you would point people to in this regard of study things that they, that you think would be really valuable for them to have and to share with their children? Yeah. Mention the Bible, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, we say there that, are so many. <laughs> we say that jokingly, but um, the Bible is our core curriculum. Yeah. So I think at a, a first starting point is, you know, read the Bible in small chunks with your kids. Um, obviously the younger they are, the, the more brief it'll be, but, um, so, from so Josh, when you, when you say read the Bible, are you talking about you're reading it from Genesis through to revelation? Yeah, we, it took us five years to do that with our kids. Um, and we just wrote, uh, you know, read it in bite-sized chunks. Mm -hmm. Um, so some resources to help with that, uh, we didn't just open up the Bible and read a couple of verses, close it, and, done, and we're done. Uh, we used Marty Machowski has two wonderful resources called uh, The Long Story Short and Old Story New. And essentially, they are a Bible reading plan through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. And then there's three to five discussion questions with each reading. And the readings are short, you know, three, five, seven verses. So pretty quick. Uh, we just put a bookmark in the... Uh, in the spot where we ended and opened it up next time we read the Bible. And um, I'll tell you, I was, I felt really good as a, as a dad and as a mom to say, we, we walked through the Bible with our kids. And the reason that's important, um, I think we tend to gravitate to the sources outside of the Bible first. 
but God knows what kids need to hear. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, as the Bible claims. So the world that we're living in, although all of us right now probably feel like it's going a bit crazy, and there are things that we are seeing and hearing that we probably never thought we would be uh, seeing in our lifetime, um, that's not new to God. And as we walk through scripture, uh, God in his wisdom addresses those kinds of topics. Jen mentioned, so we're working through, we have a father son group that we do, and we're, we're studying through Genesis this year with our, uh, our boys. So we're going to talk through creation versus evolution. That's Genesis one. We're going to talk through, uh, God created the male and female. Um, that's the whole transgender stuff. That's, you know, that's at the bottom, at back of Genesis one. We're going to talk about being made in the image of God. There's your sanctity of life. Uh, that's Genesis one as well. We're going to talk about uh, the roles of husband and wife. That's Genesis two uh, with marriage. God created marriage. Um, I mean, we're right out of the gate, even just in Genesis, we're hitting so many critical topics that God's place those there. And as we, you know, God knows what kids need to hear. Uh, and as we read God's word, we can be confident that our kids are learning what they need to know to be, um, to be mature in their faith. But there are also many wonderful, helpful resources. We're not like a Bible only. We have, if uh, you can look around here, we got, we got lots of, we got lots of books. Um, but um, so a few of them that we really love, there's for younger kids, like in the preschool, early grade school age range, there's a book called um, My First Book of Questions and Answers by Kareen with a C, Kareen McKenzie. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is essentially a, a catechism where it's a question answer. So question one, who created the world? Answer God, Genesis 1-1. Um, really great way to introduce children to systematic truths of scripture at a young age. And they need it if you're thinking as a parent, you know, that's all right. I can wait till they're older. The world is not waiting right now uh, to, to teach our kids the lies uh, that are being communicated to them. I mean, they are going after them at young ages. Mm -hmm. And so we need to not wait either. In fact, Barna says that, a Barna study said that most kids, their worldview is solid and in place by the age of 13. So that would be eighth grade. Mm -hmm. um, so we, uh, you know, we got a lot of work in the early years. That's a good resource. Um, do you have some on the tip of your tongue? I've yeah. got a lot. Oh, uh, I, I was going to say, you know, another great direction to always go is to read Christian biographies. Um, Christian biographies are just filled with a wealth of stories and, um, you know, they're true. These are true people who sacrificed for the faith and who, um, you know, put their lives on, on hold and sacrificed for us so that we can, um, have the faith and have the freedom, right. And the worship to worship as we have right now today, we were reading, I read about, um, we had a short biography of Elizabeth Fry who, um, who changed prison reform over in England and how that influenced many, many nations. And we read about um, Isabel Kuhn, who started, you know, who was a missionary to China. And I mean, just these stories that are um, compelling and captivating and really are a picture of what does it look like to live out your faith in bold ways, in bold 
ways. These were read, these were read alouds that we that do were, that I read to the children today, and yeah. then they become discussion at the dinner table yeah, that we so, had tonight about yeah. these kinds of things yeah. um, with our with our kids. We had great discussions at dinner, and yeah. Um, here's a couple of publishers to know so that you can go find books. Yeah. Uh, the Rabbit Room Press is fantastic. Rabbit Room, we love. Um, Grace and Truth Publishers is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, PNR Publishers has some great kids' resources. Mm-hmm. Um, all the lamplighters. All the lamplighters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, let's. Yeah, I love the I love the lamplighter books. Uh, I read most of those to our grandkids too. Yeah. Yeah. New New Growth Press is fantastic. Yeah, um, they have a ton of fantastic resources. Um, so you can, you know, find the, find good publishers like that, yeah. go to their website and they usually, you know, they'll have tabs on there with, with um, usually we can be like kids books and things, and you will find a world of wonderful, wonderful resources. Yeah. There are also books that list great oh, resources. Books. What are the couple <laughs> of the titles of good books that read that list good oh books. boy there are so many um well hey, you, listen you guys wrote one together you know 50 things we did. <laughs> we did. we're not shameless pluggers but we, we can mention uh what are the name of the books jen the book list books. uh it's honey honey for a child's heart is a wonderful one um mm. there's a book called the read aloud handbook which is wonderful um if you would like to read about history and biographies that are from a distinctly christian perspective there's a little book it's called turning back the pages of time mm, that's li- that's um, worth this podcast that just buying that resource <laughs> I think it's six dollars, um, six or seven dollars, and it is just a wonderful resources. And it's just list of books, and they're distinctly Christian. And um, so, yep, there's no shortage of places that you can go to find great book lists that um, will enhance study from a distinctly Christian worldview. The book you mentioned, uh, Kevin, that we wrote is called uh, "50 Things Every Child Needs to Know Before Leaving Home," mm-hmm. and it is. A holistic discipleship approach, and in the fifty different areas, we have resource lists for each of them yeah. that are really helpful for families. Essentially, the resources are listed as an application tool to work towards that uh, component of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um I have a question, Josh. So you mentioned um that you talk through hard things at an early age with your kids. Is there anything that you avoid talking about until a certain age or do you kind of just go for it every topic? Yeah, I think little answers or little questions need little answers. Big questions get big answers. So, mm-hmm. you know, so if kids, let's say our kids, um, I'll just give you a, a very specific example. Our daughter, who's now 11, was um, playing at a park and uh, came in for lunch and another girl had said to her she said oh I was playing with Victoria and Victoria said that when we get older we can get married Um, so here's a seven-year-old she's talking about homosexuality Um, Mm -hmm. and so here's an opportunity to uh, to teach our daughter about uh, God's design good design for marriage and you know we can a seven-year-old like Kate we we um, were very clear that and taught her that marriage is a one man, one woman for life. And a seven-year-old can understand that. That truth doesn't change for a 17-year-old, but we can be much more in-depth with uh, with the 17-year-old. Um, mm-hmm. So 
Um, but what, what we've experienced now is we held off with our older kids um, till they got, you know, into the late single digits uh, to have some of those hard conversations for our oldest. But now because of our oldest, they um, generate a lot of conversation that now our youngest are having maybe a little earlier because uh, it's just part of our older children's uh, life. So um, transgenderism, homosexuality, all the racial stuff, abortion, those are literally daily conversations we're having in our house right now with seven and up. Uh, we used wow. to be younger, um, but it's not, you know, that's, I think we, you know, we are kind of like, whoa, I mean, it's not our kids. They don't even think twice about it. They don't it. even think twice about it. They're- um, mm-hmm. You know, it's no different than most subjects now. Yeah. Um, and our part of that for our kids, you know, now that we have older kids, they're listening to podcasts uh, and they're hearing all kinds they're of reading. stuff yeah. and they're reading a ton. And so we're in like we're literally in a daily conversation mm-hmm. with them about what they're hearing and seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so as far as young goes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in the level of detail and graphicness. So, you know, the young, younger kids, we just don't go in as much detail and we just don't get as graphic. And as kids get older, then we just add the, add the depth, we add the detail. We are willing to have some of those more difficult conversations in greater detail that we just, just don't when, you know, when they're they're that little and, um, so we, you know, we essentially, we want them to know the foundational truths of scripture. What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? Uh, most, most parents probably struggle to answer that question, but our kids need crystal clarity. Our little kids need crystal clarity. If you ask my boys, they will tell you what it means to be a man is to, to lead, protect, provide. They better remember those words. We've hammered them in to their head. Um, and that masculinity is a good thing when used appropriately, um, you know, we can, it can be abused like anything else. Um, but that gets to be fun stuff for, uh, for kids as they start to live that out, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds, you know, we want our girls to have female things that help them become godly women and our boys. So then, you know, we have those kind of conversations. Um, our kids will be coming to a wedding with us this, um, this weekend. And, um, man, what a wonderful opportunity to just to teach truth for them to see. They'll see all that. We'll have conversations. So I don't know that um, mm-hmm. I'd say don't shy away from the hard yeah. topics. Cause if we don't answer those and fill that, the, you know, their mind with the truth, it's going to be filled with that from another source. Yeah. Somebody will. And it's probably not yeah. biblical. Yeah, if, if you're not teaching their kids, somebody's going to be teaching them and uh, yeah. you want to teach. So this is all really about some intentionality. And, and and I and I know I hear many parents have said in the past that I've talked to, well, you know, it's really the church's responsibility to teach these things. Uh, you know, we just need to let our kids figure it out themselves. Mm. What would you say to that? I um, imagine there's good intention there, but that's really poor poor advice uh, and a poor decision. Um, you know, our kids, they're in their own, they're, you know, they're ignorant. Um, they are, they don't know God's truth. And you know, it, that in and of itself is a departure from what we are told to do in scripture. You know, the Bible says very clearly, raise your children in the instruction of the Lord. Um, so if we are 
taking the position of I'm going to let them figure that figure things out. Uh, we are having to live in disobedience to just to that. You know, we could I could mention a lot a lot more passages, but just to that passage, we're living in disobedience, and it's just not wise because um, kids don't. Anybody that's had kids know they don't gravitate towards maturity. They gravitate towards all. <laughs> they need they need guidance. So. Like think about think about the 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 imagery that God gives us in the Bible of God as a father and God does not leave us as his children without instruction. He gave us his word. He, he gave us, um, creation and revelation. He gave us the 10 commandments. He said, he sent Jesus, right? He, um, he did not leave us as his children without instruction and guidance. And so just following that example, um, we would not do the same for our children. I think it's interesting, Sarah, as we ponder what Josh and Jan have been sharing with us, that that no parent, you know, no parent would ever send their five or six year old child out onto a busy highway with a bicycle and just say to them, you know, it's not our job to tell you how to figure out what's safe and what isn't. Just go out there and figure it out for yourself. That's stupid. (laughs) Yet it's not unusual for many parents to do that very thing when it comes to critical matters in life like drugs, sex, smartphones, whatever. Mm-hmm. We give them little instruction on how to navigate life. We just send them out and say, figure it out yourself. But like Jen reminded us, God didn't do that with us and neither should we. Yeah, spot on, Kevin. I think we're living in a pretty independent world and not often taking advantage of the knowledge we can really gain from others. Well, yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. But you know what? This was not the end of our conversation with Josh and Jen Mulvihill. Be sure to listen to the next segment as we continue to explore how this four-legged stool approach to parenting plays out using the remaining legs that they have yet to discuss. So for now, I'm Kevin Harper. And I'm Sarah Greenstreet, urging you to intentionally and faithfully commend the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation. God bless. God bless.